Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, IndyCar fans. This is Nathan Brown, your Motorsports Insider with the Indianapolis Star in USA Today, here to record another episode uh, for IndyCar Weekly. This week, we will break down Road America, uh, the ninth stop on IndyCar's calendar, which happened just a couple weeks ago, and also talk a little bit about the upcoming race in just a few days. Admit Ohio. Joining me, as always, my co-host, uh, the full-time driver of the number 60 Honda for Meyer Shank Racing, Jack Harvey. Um, third time is a charm trying to get this recorded here with <laughs> Wi-Fi issues. Jack, uh, how are you doing once again on this fine Wednesday afternoon? Uh, I've had a good day, mate. Honestly, it's been a great week. Uh, for anyone who watched England won, obviously, yesterday, uh, you know, to get to the quarterfinals of the Euros, and it seems like they have a a decent path now to the final if they can keep playing well. So obviously very excited about that. Um, I think the next game is just before we qualify on uh, Saturday at Mid-Ohio. So hopefully they have a good game. We have a great quality. And then that just leads into a, a fantastic weekend all around. But uh, yeah, I've had a good day, mate, so far. We'll go, go uh, and tackle this now. I... Um certainly know um, from following you and I'm sure lots of folks do that listen to this podcast know that you're uh, a big English soccer fan give us the Ugh. lowdown maybe the uh, the guide for those who haven't watched but maybe you're interested now that we're getting down to the um, the last handful of teams alive for those that might want to tune in and and watch that match uh, for UEFA uh, this weekend and beyond what exactly is at stake here so basically right now it's the uefa european uh championship national championship so england have had a really good tournament so far um you know and the last few games have just all been like knockout stages so we actually beat germany yesterday 2-0 which was a great result uh but there's been some huge upsets i mean switzerland actually beat france the day before and i think france are probably the favourite maybe for the the whole tournament. So um, it's it's very similar to anyone who watches the Copa America, uh, just of the European version. But if there's if there's one thing I know about English people is that we get behind our national soccer team. And uh, I'm almost embarrassing to watch a game with. I turn into uh, not a hooligan, but I was watching the game with my manager yesterday, and England scored, and you know I just erupted, and everybody just turned around and looked at me like I was the biggest weirdo they've they've ever seen but um you know i think patriotism in america is a like an all-time high like probably all the time but certainly the patriotism is matched in england when england's national team are playing soccer i mean it, i think i saw this morning bearing in mind i think the population of the uk is about 60 million people you know give or take 10 percent and uh i think something like 20 
million people watch the race. So uh, sorry, not watch the game. So it's uh, it's pretty fun that so many of us get behind that and just really excited where they can progress in this uh, tournament. What, uh, which of the, the like major tournaments do you get the most amped up for? I imagine it's not oh, a world cup, mate. That's right. That's what I assumed. I mean, obviously that's a, on a big scale. You've got like the, I know the world cup, obviously massive deal. Um, I assumed maybe the Olympics a little bit less or so. And then obviously UEFA, a, a major deal. How, how, can you kind of describe like how much a, a bigger deal uh, the World Cup is and, and how much, I mean, like, do you just get, is it just more at stake? Are you any more or less excited for those matches than you are um, for the UEFA ones here these last couple of weeks? Uh, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I'm always excited when England are playing, even if it's a friendly, um, you know, I always think it's fun. I mean, the, the World Cup is at least in soccer, I mean, that's your number one. You know, I, I love watching the World Cup and I think being an England fan sometimes can be pretty painful because they always have such a good team on paper and they always kind of get close and then they just tease you with it, like, right, be in there. And then, uh, you know, for whatever reason, doesn't always go our way. I mean, they've only actually won the World Cup one time and that was in 1966. So if we have a good Euros, I think that gives us some momentum ready for the World Cup in uh, what 2024 i guess so um uh no it is the world cup in 24 22 maybe yes yeah that's yeah because the last one was in 18 right so it's next yeah yeah and then um you know normally it's every two years there's something right so you have the world cup two years euros you know but obviously with everything that's been kind of thrown around it's uh, everything's kind of changed a little bit but Man, I mean, honestly, I could see them getting to the final now. And if we could just get over that hump again, you're going to go to the World Cup as, you know, a, a super strong contender. And if if they lo- if they win it, I might just lose it. Uh, so <laughs> we'll wait and see, mate. I mean, I, I can be pretty funny to watch a game with. So if I'm in Indy and, the, and there's an England game on, you know, maybe we should start like a, a huge group and just go and watch the game. Because if you ever wanted to get, have a laugh then watching me watch them is pretty pretty hysterical that would be super fun yeah so so there's eight teams left now um from how i understand you've got belgium italy switzerland spain czech republic denmark uh england and ukraine i know you said you felt like france was probably the favorite before they got knocked out a couple days ago by switzerland who do you feel like now has probably got the best chance of uh of taking the whole thing I mean, I'm I'm biased. I think England look really good right now. Uh, yeah, I think that game against Germany was, you know, I mean, that could have been the final, you know, and you would look at it as a just an outsider in and go, wow, what a great game. And it was only the first round of the last 16, you know, not even in the quarters. I mean, only just now in the quarters. And that's what I like about knockout football. But, you know, you just got to be good on the day, you know, because I don't think anyone would have thought that Switzerland would have beat France. Uh, teams I'm worried about, uh, pretty worried. I think Spain always have a good team. You know, Belgium have a great team. I was worried about France. Not anymore. I texted Simon, didn't hear anything back. Um, you know, and I think there's there's a lot of really good teams. I mean, soccer across Europe is the number one sport. You know, maybe even the world, really. Um, so it's, it's a big deal for everyone. But, you know, England, we have this, you know, saying in the UK, small but mighty, you know, so hopefully we uh, crack on and get it done this week and then get to the semis and, keep delivering but you know it's tough to go there the expectations are anything less 
Aston winning is, you know, disappointment. But I mean, they've been progressing really well. I mean, the last World Cup they got to the uh, the semis, right? So I mean, the England team right now is is a is a pretty youthful bunch. I'm uh, just really excited to see what they what they can keep doing. As you mentioned, they play Ukraine uh, this weekend, just kind of right dead in the middle of practice and qualifying. If they can pull that one out, you've got uh, a little bit of a, an off stretch as far as your racing calendar. I imagine that you could probably clear pretty easily for a potentially a, a semifinals and a, and a championship match here in the, the next week or so. But before we get there, we've got – Mid-Ohio race on Sunday, um, and before we get there, we'll let's maybe talk a little bit about the race from a week and a half or so ago at Road America. I know it looked like a potentially a, a strong start for you guys starting there on the second row in third, ultimately not probably what you wanted finishing in 17th. Um, mm-hmm. Those of us, um, even myself, uh, with all the, the blistering pace of news that have come the last 10 days maybe kind of take us through your race uh and how you saw those 55 laps in your vantage point uh well i mean honestly i feel like it's you know some of the conversations that have been had you know the last like six weeks i guess you know have been a little repetitive uh in the sense of we've had you know really great qualifying again you know we started third i think i actually did the fastest lap of qualifying you know in q2 so i mean we clearly had Good pace, um, you know, back the second time I've actually been P3 with, you know, right around Joseph and uh, Colton, so I've always seemed to be in good company there. We had a great start, got into second. Uh, you know, I think Alex Blue was a little quicker than we were. Uh, we didn't have a super awesome first stop, so I got uh, overcut by Alex. I got undercut by Will, and that kind of drops us back to... Uh, fourth position and honestly we're just kind of hanging out in fourth you know for a decent part of the race and obviously there was that yellow flag they kind of bunched everyone back together we we, we did we had a pretty not awesome stop then you know then suddenly dropped to sixth uh you know did the restart well on, on strategy six at least i think we were pa on the on the running order um you know ran the whole next stint in in p6 and um yeah that last yellow you know the, the team radioed me and just said pit now pit now and i i thought maybe they were joking um you know and then they radioed again and said pit 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 and we you know we they tried the you know extremely aggressive fuel straving strategy to try and obviously win win the race uh you know for whatever reason our stops on that day weren't uh, weren't awesome and um yeah we were just trying to like they were just trying to at that moment try and figure out any solution that we could recover some of the spots that we had, uh, that we had lost. Uh, we chatted about it after I told them it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been the decision I would have made. And if they'd have asked me what I wanted to do, it probably would have not have been that, but uh, that's what's hard about the relationship between driver and the timing stand is, you know, they obviously see a much wider picture of the race. All I see is what I'm doing in the car and the people I'm racing with you know so it's such a difficult balance to try and try and get right and you know in one sense you know i love the team is aggressive in their moments the other side of it is oh you know it didn't work out and it's another day where we have lost a you know a good result um and i think the way that our season has gone in the last five races up to that point it would have been nice to have just 
came out of that weekend, good result, good momentum, head into, you know, what is mid-Ohio, Michael's home race. And I think we have momentum, you know. I mean, we've got plenty of speed. You know, there's definitely no issue or concern about speed or race pace or, you know, anything like that. I think we've looked really good, you know, pretty much all season. I think the only place we really have struggled a bit is, you know, Detroit. And I think at this point in the season, you can look across all the drivers and find a weekend where they haven't been typically as strong as they have been across the season. And, you know, so no, no concerns or lingering, uh, you know, negativity of that. I thought it was a good weekend to bounce back from Detroit. Um, you know, so I think the, the conversations with the team, you know, at this point, Al, is, you know, if we're, if we're at the back, then, yeah, we can roll the dice on strategy. But, I mean, it's so hard to get to the front, mate, that I'm not sure if that had been the time that I would have done that level of high-risk, high-reward strategy. Uh, you know, and a fuel save at Road America is just painful. Um, so, you know, weekend, again, of full of promise and, you know, positivity and potential. But we've really got to start hitting it now. Uh, you know, this is a results-driven sport. And, you know, from, from my side, I, I feel like we've been qualifying so well that we have opportunities nearly every weekend to try and get a good end result. And, you know, we need to uh, start striking while the iron's hot. Where did you guys, I mean, from your perspective, had you guys not taken that aggressive strategy there where do you feel like was realistic for you to hope to have finished um at that point just kind of seeing how things had gone so far and obviously knowing how things played out after that i mean i don't see any reason why we wouldn't have finished where we were at the time that's you know p6 and upwards you know i've had really good starts this year i've had really good restarts this year so um yeah, from, from my perspective, you know, if you could look back at the race and I think if we'd have done a few things a little bit differently, you know, we were ahead of Colton on the first uh, stint and he only got by us in the pit lane. And, you know, I said to the guys after the race was, look, you know, pit stops under a yellow are so important. We all know that, you know, that I felt like we had potential to be, you know, top five. And if we'd have really executed a good race, you know, probably on the, uh, the last person on the podium probably would have been a fair, a fair representation of, you know, our whole weekend. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we rolled the dice, we went for it. And, you know, that, that attitude of the team, I, I can certainly get behind. Uh, you know, I love that they were there to try and win and do the best job possible. But, um, you know, we, I think we even could have done that strategy better, you know, looking back. So there's just a lot to learn, mate. And I think, you know, with all of us included, um, you know, I look back and go, perhaps I could have just told the team, like, no, we're not doing that. You know, I don't know what the risk is right now, but we're not doing it. Um, you know, but then in the day, I'm still, still an employee of the team. And, you know, Michael and Jim <laughs> sign my check every month. So not likely to turn around and tell them they did it wrong. Timing stand was on board with it and, I think all we can really hope to try and do is, you know, what was the decision-making process? What was the train of thought? If we get in that situation next time, you know, what what do we do? Sure. You know, look at the picture, you know, of the year and, you know, start themselves, you know, so have left the road in America with a, you know, a solid PC and you know maybe better would have been a uh, you know a pretty 
uh, pretty great result, but also like a well-needed result for, for everybody in the team to keep that positive, uh, you know, momentum with us because it is a long slog at the minute. I mean, we've done a lot of races and not much time off. I know a lot of the uh, the guys on the who work on the car are very excited, you know, for this summer break that we get as the Olympics are on. So, yeah, I think we could just need to, uh, you know, take a breath and reassess the, the big picture in uh, in those moments. Does it come down to, you know, when you're when you come away a little bit frustrated with that strategy call, does it come down to just the fact that you guys are still, I mean, over the last couple months, as you mentioned, you guys have, you guys have shown the speed and it's just kind of come down to one thing here or there in the races that has kept you guys from a, a top 10, top five, or potentially even podium. Does it come down to just wanting to be able to get that one solid result to put things kind of back in the right motion? Um, you know, maybe if you guys had had a, a handful of top, you know, maybe if some of these, you know, 15, 16, 17th place finishes has been, uh, you know, top tens and you guys try mm. to be really aggressive. Would that have changed your mind or the, maybe the way that you would have come away from the weekends if you guys had had some of more of those top 10 finishes lately? I mean, probably, you know, I think that what, what you just described there was very much our season last year, yeah. you know, a little bit underrated, but pretty much finished between fifth and 10th nearly everywhere. Um, you know, and I think the, the goal in, the off, in this off season was be a little more aggressive on strategy and, you know, maybe we got the, uh, the, the scale wrong and, you know, where maybe perhaps we only needed to be 5% more aggressive would be, you know, 20% more aggressive. So it's a tough one, mate, because when we were finishing there, we wanted to roll the dice and try and finish better. And then, you know, when you start finishing, 15th you're like actually being in the top 10 is significantly better than being here so <laughs> I think also one thing to bear in mind is you know at this point in the season you know we're not in the title hunt um, I think if we'd have executed a really good year at this point I think we could be you know P6 P7 in points and kind of on the you know on the outer fringe of it you know but realistically we're, we're not there um, you know you have two I mean I think that was our sixth bad race uh, in a row and you know you can't have any bad races in a row if you really want to push to win the uh, NTT IndyCar series and I think that uh, <clears throat> factored in and influenced the decision just to you know roll the dice and see what happens I think if we'd have been in the championship hunt a bit better that we definitely wouldn't have done it and I think that's come out of the you know the conversation since then um, like I said to the team I felt like last year we qualified pretty strong i think this year we're qualifying even better but i just want to get a i just want to get a good result you know and like i said to the guys i mean i feel like right now you know i'm qualifying pretty strongly um you know with with colton a lot of the time with joseph a lot of the time Alex Palou a lot of the time you know and those guys are winning races and getting it done on race day and you know we still have things to uh, try and learn i think the thing that's easy to stay encouraged about is this team is so close, you know, like, I mean, it's not just one person, but it's, I feel like all the pieces of this jigsaw puzzle are, are there, you know, we just need to put them in better orders and just put them on in one, uh, you know, pretty picture for, for a weekend. And, you know, I feel like we are a, a race winning team. Um, that being said, it's frustrating when we're not, when we're not achieving it, when you feel like the potential's there, but uh, yeah, man, I, I feel like the team has so much, 
talent across the board. Um, I think there's, I think we're learning when to be aggressive, when not to be aggressive. And, you know, the, the, the only disappointing thing in the last three races at Road America, we've qualified second, third and ninth, and we've had a best finish of 17th there. And that, that pretty much sums up how I've been, how I've been feeling is guys, I've been qualifying well, but let's figure out how we have a better race. Sure. Oh, well, I know by no means were you the only frustrated driver to come away from there. You talked a little bit about um, Joseph uh, who started. Oh, race. that was awful. Uh, you, even, <laughs> you even tweeted about it um, after the race, having watched the race back the next day. Um, oh, man, I felt, I felt worse for him than I felt for myself. And honestly, because I, I look at it and go, yeah, we, we, you know, we got that wrong. That wasn't bad luck or anything like that. That was just a poor decision on our part. It was really bad luck. You know, that's completely out of his control, the team's control. And that sucked, you know, for everybody. So, uh, yeah, for as, for as not awesome as I felt, definitely there was people on, on that day who were feeling, uh, Probably more hard done by. Just a, a wild string of results for some of those Team Penske cars. I mean, you could certainly argue that they could have, maybe even should have won each of these last three races between Wills, um, you know, ECU that overheated with the um, red flag with five laps to go at Detroit race one. Joseph, I guess his was maybe a little bit more understandable. You know, they, they took a little bit of a gamble on a, a tire strategy call that just didn't work out. He led the first 67 laps and got passed by um, Pato with three to go. And then uh, certainly something that seemed like uh, was maybe as fluky as, as Will's potentially with his gearing um, just malfunctioning there and the, the final two laps to go on that restart with Alex. Alex Pillow able to pull that victory out, but um, Joseph now falls – I think it's 88 points behind Alex in the championship, which I imagine would look um, significantly different, both, you know, having Alex, you know, if Alex had not won that race and it's, if Joseph had gone and finished first, instead of finishing 21st, I think you have certainly another car uh, that is right dead in the middle of this championship race with now seven races to go. And now it um, seems Fairly inconceivable, I guess, with, with how this year has gone, anything is possible. You know, Joseph could certainly go and win two or maybe even three, you know, races in a short time span and put himself right back in the thick of things. But now you've got Alex ahead, uh, 28 points ahead of Pato Award in second with Scott Dixon there, uh, 53 points back. Um, it certainly seems like now with how much parity we've seen in this series so far this year that anyone – you know, 80, 90, 100 points back just seems, especially without a, a double points finale this year, um, tough to imagine that anyone beyond those three guys uh, probably comes away with the Astro Cup this year. You agree? Uh, I'm Honestly, I, I hate trying to answer those questions because you just never know, you know, and this year has been so uh, unpredictable and unusual. Um, you know, I, I felt bad for everyone at Penske in a sense of, you know, I think what happened in race two at Detroit is just racing, you know, like I don't, I don't feel bad about what happened to Joseph on that one. Um, you know, he led a lot of the, the laps, but you know, that was just a, 
a yellow flag and then, you know, maybe not having the best tyres, but if, if it hadn't gone yellow, he probably would have won. Mm-hmm. But there's probably a lot of people who feel that if it hadn't gone yellow, something better was going to happen. The thing that sucked for them recently is obviously what happened to Will in race one and then obviously what happened to Joseph in Road America. And that that just sucked, you know, for everyone on on the team because like people need to remember, it's not just the knock-on it has to the driver, it's the knock-on it has to everybody involved. Um, so who do I... Th- I mean, the thing is, unless unless the guys at the front of the championship start, start having bad weekends, then... Um, you know, it's so competitive right now that a bad weekend for, you know, some of these guys is is still in the top 10. And that's what hurts probably so much in Road America for Joseph. He went from, you know, getting a huge points haul and being able to like actually close the gap to losing quite a bit of ground through no fault of his own. And then not conveniently for him, the guy who ended up winning the race is also... I think he was a championship leader maybe before the weekend, but he certainly is now. And, um, you know, Alex has been doing a fantastic job. That being said, you know, I've seen weirder things happen in racing and I think it's the old cliche, you know, but if you're mathematically still within a shot of it, then you've always got a shot. Uh, You know, I've seen some pretty wild things in racing, so... Yeah, I actually read the other day that, I mean, Colton still felt like he was in, you know, just on the outside of a chance of still trying to push on to try and win the championship. And um, oh, where is he right now? P7, maybe? He's so, uh, he his seventh. Yeah, he's 107 points back right now. You just never know, you know. I mean, it doesn't take too many good or bad weekends to see that level of swing come your direction. I think it does change a little bit because obviously the final race isn't a, point, a double points finisher. Uh, but I actually didn't like that double points finish anyway. I feel like that's a, a weird way to potentially win or lose a championship. But um, yeah, I, I, I think that's what's so fun about IndyCar racing right now. Trying to predict the top 10 is almost impossible, let alone <laughs> you know what's going to happen on race day. I would agree. Um, I've got to I'll, I'll plug this here real quick before we move on. I um, have done a little bit of data crunching over the last day day and a half uh and we'll have a story coming out either to i think probably tomorrow so that would be thursday so for folks that are listening to this podcast it's probably already up um but a story looking at what the points race would be like had uh the indy 500 not been a double points race obviously we know it's been that way for um i think close to a decade now so it's certainly nothing new but we've heard you know i know that's drivers have some mixed opinions and oftentimes it probably shifts depending on uh, whether you had a good Indy 500 or not and where you sit in championship. But um, can certainly say that if that race was just another race from a points standpoint, this championship would be uh, quite a good ways more wide open. Um, and it was fun to come sure. look at that and see how that would change things when it, I mean, the biggest part of that is you have um you know, someone like Alex who'd already been having a, a really strong, consistent season. He goes in second. You have Pato who finishes fourth. Um, I think maybe the most amazing thing is that Scott Dixon is, uh, you know, he went and finished 17th in the 500. And the fact that he's still in this with the, how well those guys finished, I think shows um, how strong of a season Scott has had uh, given the fact that, it seems like we've hardly talked about him at all, minus his 
run to the pole at the 500 since his victory at Texas. And that was, you know, coming on about two months ago. Um, but the, I think, uh, a Scott Dixon, who's third in the championship when people are talking about everyone else, I don't know that he would complain too much about that given still six, uh, seven races now to go. It's a funny one, mate, because you, you might not feel badly about it now, but at the end of the year, if you missed it by a point, you probably feel pretty bad about it. Um, I mean, I, can, I don't really mind that the 500s are double points. I mean, it's the crown jewel, you know, of the year for us. It's the one that everyone most wants to win, you know. So in a lot of ways, I kind of feel like it makes it makes sense. But I agree with one of the things you said, like 100% is it, it pretty much depends on what side of the fence you're sat on. Did it really help you or did it really hinder you? And uh, I don't know if we've been in a position to have really felt hurt by it, you know, one way or another. We didn't have a great 500. You know, we've had too many bad races and I our championship position probably looks similar to what it would, uh, you know, whether it was a single point score or a double. Um, you know, I, I guess the, the thing at the end of the year, well, the thing that right now I look at is, you know, everyone who's at the front of the championship, minus Scott, had a really good 500 as well. You know, and I think there's no, no mystery as to why they're at the front this year because they've done really well every weekend. Um, you know, and Scott still being so up there in the championship, even after you know, a difficult, you know, race anyway. Um, it's just testament to what a fantastic driver he is, how good everyone's doing at Chip Ganassi racing this year. Um, yeah, the only thing I'd, I always be worried about, Scott, because people say that as the season goes on, he gets stronger and stronger, you know, in championship hunts. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to be right there, mate. He's a, he's a complete veteran and he knows the dealio. Yep. I, I actually have the spreadsheet in front of me right now. And I can tell you that you uh, would be 14th in every scenario I put together. So wouldn't change. Oh, I guess I was pretty good shot then. There you go. Yeah. You are, you were right on the month. Yeah. The, the, the person that something like that uh, would affect the most from what I looked at was uh, Graham Ray Hall, who uh, cool. currently sits ninth in the championship, 121 points back. And with a, um, you know, just single points, 500, he would be sixth and only 86 points back. So kind of about where Joseph um, is currently. The, the interesting thing is that with, with Joseph, say right now, he's 88 points back. He's fourth in the championship. If you made the 500 just a single points race, you would suddenly have uh, nine drivers within 90 points. So kind of at that same point. So it almost doubles the number of folks that are um, at least within that range that Joseph is. So just, I mean, it's an interesting, interesting look. Um, again, that will be up here uh, fairly soon and just probably an interesting thing, interesting thing for folks to peruse a little bit uh, to see how things might be different. But uh, hindsight, of course, is 2020. And I don't know that I've heard anyth anything that would indicate that uh, double points at the 500 would necessarily go away. So we'll see. Where that stands, we'll uh, shift our focus now to Mid-Ohio, a race that I know um, was pretty solid for you last year of your, I was just looking at things earlier today, of the yeah. uh, eight top 12 finishes that you had in 2020. Uh, two of those came at Mid-Ohio. Um, obviously, we had a, a doubleheader weekend in September last year. Um, what are some of the biggest focuses that you um, are really keen on heading to Mid Ohio here in a in a day or so and getting ready 
for the start of practice on Friday afternoon? I mean, honestly, mate, I think what we're focused on right now is, you know, still making sure we qualify at the front and then just executing a smooth day on Sunday. Uh, you know, definitely last year, um, at least on race one, you know, we qualified fifth. Uh, I didn't have an awesome start on that day. And then it'll drop into seventh and that's where we stayed. So, um, I mean, a pretty solid day, uh, but certainly not what we're, you know, hoping to go there and do better this weekend. I think the thing about Mid-Ohio if anybody hasn't read it yet, uh, which I feel like it's been publicized quite a lot this week, uh, you know, just how much the track can change, you know, from the start of the day to the end of the day, the start of the weekend, to the end of the weekend, et cetera. So, you know, trying to be smart, trying not to be too smart. Um, but I think that's one of the biggest challenges of Mid-Ohio is trying to really predict well what the track's going to do. Um, you know, like I say to people at the time, I know we qualify or qualifying well at the minute, but we, there's reasons for that. It's because we put a lot of work and effort, you know, into that, you know, preparing well. I was actually with my engineer and my driver coach today, you know, making sure that we stay on top of that. Um, you know, and then obviously, I think I've said this a few times this year, I just want to keep putting the team in position to, um, you know, have a great day on Sunday. You know, normally you do that by starting as far forward as possible. And the thing that's not lost on me is I love my job. You know, don't get me wrong, it's been frustrating recently. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, everyone in the building is feeling the frustration. It's not just me. So to go and have a, a smooth weekend in what is the home race, uh, you know, for everybody at Myershank Racing really would be just awesome. Um, you know, Michael's, you know, spent his life growing up at Mid-Ohio. Uh, you know, the team's based, I think, just 40 minutes from the track. So it's one of them ones at the start of the year, if you look at, and you go, man, if we could only just choose a couple, you know, that you, like, if you just went, yeah, you're guaranteed to have a good result in these three tracks. One of them would be the Indy 500. The other one for sure for our team would be Mid-Ohio. So I think everyone's excited. I just, I don't want us to get, I don't want to get in our own way, uh, you know, and I just want everybody just to do, and this is simple to say, but the best they can, you know, no one's looking for perfection. Certainly no one should be feeling the pressure of being perfect, um, you know, but we do have to deliver our best performances. Um, and it seems like, why not make that start in mid-Ohio? You know, I, I go back to that, why not? Keep coming back to, you know, one thing I, I thought of um, from looking at your results. I know you you certainly feel that frustration, and I think it's certainly – warranted with how close you guys have been to some really, really solid results here these last six races. But the fact that you're, um, what, what did you finish last year? Was it 15th, uh, in the points race a year ago and you're 14th now. So about in the same spot. Um, mm. do you feel like, do you, at the same point on the, on the other side of the coin, do you feel in some way that that frustration that you feel while being about the same spot and feeling like you guys could have been a good bit better at this point in the season, does that at the same time indicate that there's been progress made year over year? Uh, big, big to me, we weren't super thrilled. I mean, we, not that it's worth time spending time thinking, thinking about the past but I mean you know our first four races last year were shocking I think our best result was 17th then as well 
you know, uh-huh. we looked at the end of the year and go, man, like we could have, we could easily have been top 10 in points. Uh, and this year, I feel like that has shifted, you know, forward to where, you know, realistically in the last six races, I feel like we've thrown away five top 10s, you know, a couple of podiums, you know, potentially a win, you know, and a couple of top fives. And for sure, the team has made steps. I feel like I've made steps in my drive and I feel like I'm, you know, coming to the track, not just quick in qualifying, but, you know, having opportunity to be quick in, in the races. I mean, you know, even go back to like Indian Road Course, I mean, we started third and we got into second at the start. You know, same thing in, in Road America and, you know, just at that moment where you just want to, you know, shake the situation and um, because you know it can be so good and it, the potential is so good that when you're not hitting it, of course it's frustrating. Uh, you know, but everyone feels it. So it's such a, it's a double-edged sword because you don't want that frustration to turn into anything and fester, you know, and grow roots. Uh, that being said, we have to perform and show ourselves that, yeah, we don't just have potential. We can actually get it done. And that's what makes it easy to stay positive about is that why not start that this weekend, but also because we know we can do it. And I think that balance of trying to st- strike all of that in one in one didn't you go I'm, I'm way more frustrated than what I was last year sure but the same side there's some really encouraging signs so I mean we'll wait and see man. I think we're all waiting to see like what the what the future brings and uh, you know things like that and you know a couple of good weekends on you know the team side on my side changes all them things uh, you know pretty drastically so uh, I just hope we I hope we start showing that we can turn some good qualifying performances into some good races um, yeah all right we will get into some questions now um, a good first one to start off with here from Matt Wilson um, to tell us a little bit more about track at mid-ohio uh, he asks, how important is starting position at this track? Are there legitimate mm. opportunities at Mid-Ohio? Uh, yeah, I would say one of them ones where I think qualifying is going to be really important. Uh, certainly, you see some people are able to make some moves, I think, overtaken into uh, turn four. You know, it's obviously a great opportunity if you can get a good exit out of uh, turn two. Uh, I do think it's one of the more difficult tracks to uh, to overtake at, I think strategy this year it looks like it initially may just be a two-stopper uh you know but um you know every weekend we always say it mate every weekend that you know oh you know you really want to start at the front because track position and uh you know so i mean nothing nothing special about that apart from i do think it's one of the more difficult tracks we go to so maybe there's just a little more importance behind that this weekend Sure. Yeah. It's, I think an 80 lap race, if I remember, uh, seeing that correctly, I've, I've heard some drivers say yep. it's kind of right in that sweet spot of where it could potentially be a two stopper where you try to do some fuel saving or a three stopper where, um, you really run really hard, um, and, and go flat out to try and make up what you would give up in a, in an extra stop. It's always exciting for you guys to have those races where strategy is a little bit uh, more involved. Uh, I, I mean, personally really enjoy watching those. I know it's sometimes it, 
it can be a little bit difficult for the folks at home or the, you know, even anyone that's not in the car to kind of be able to keep track of everything and who's on what strategy and, and what the, the, you know, optimal strategy is at certain points in the race, given what's going on, but uh, excited to see how all of that plays out. Um, we'll go to another one here from uh, Scott um, on Twitter asks, how much has Elio Castro Neves helped the Meyer Shank team develop? And what have you guys learned from him in, in terms of rain, racecraft mindset or just in general? I know he's been pretty busy these last couple weeks uh, with SRX, but I know he's also been around the track uh, and around the team a lot this year with you guys, even when he hasn't been racing at the 500. Anything more that you've learned from him uh, since we talked about him last post 500? Uh, no, not really. Uh, you know, I think after the 500, it was super evident of what Elio brings to the team, uh, you know, not just with his driving of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but what he, the information that he can share, the information he's prepared to share and the information that he is able to guide the team with, uh, you know, I've certainly felt his support all season long, um, that being said, he's been so busy with his own race and then it's been cool to watch, you know, some of the uh, SRX series and to watch him do pretty well in that as well. Uh, you know, it's just Elio is still, you know, incredibly talented. Um, you know, he's got a resume that most people would, would die for, you know, and in terms of helping the team. Um, he's done everything that you would hope that he that he would do or would bring. And... I know that MSR is maybe not the biggest team and he has come from, you know, arguably the biggest team, uh, but he's been super gracious about coming and wanting to be a part of everything and, you know, willing to help me. I mean, we text each other, I, you know, after that last race that he had on dirt, you know, we had some good banter back and forth, you know, about that. And I just really enjoy, you know, racing with him, uh, you know, specifically how he's helping the team. Uh, I don't want to share because that's the advantage <laughs> of having someone like Elio with us. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know he's, I know he's still keen to be racing, uh, you know, full time. And um, I guess we'll wait and see what, what happens in that department. But he's, uh, he's still, he clearly, sorry, he's still got plenty of life, you know, left in him and plenty of speed. So uh, I think we all would be excited to see him get back into a, uh, an IndyCar full time. Uh, a good question here from Alan, um, a little bit more about the, the pit stops that we touched on earlier. Um, and I'll maybe try to even rephrase this question a little bit because I think it's, it's interesting when, when you guys are, are suffering, suffering from pit stops that have just slowed you marginally, um, which can certainly make the difference, you know, uh, one, even maybe two positions on track per stop. Does it come down to, and I know this isn't necessarily your, your responsibility entirely, but from a, um, a crewman's perspective, I mean, do you know, are, are, is a team running more um, mock pit stops in the shop lately? Does it come down to just trying to put races behind you and not think about what's gone wrong uh, and just execute the next time around? How, do, how does a team go about trying to, to rectify some of those issues? I mean, essentially all of the above, mate. I mean, you can't, you can't beat practice reps. Um, you know, the more, the more opportunities the guys have to practice pit stops, frankly, we should be taking, uh, you know, this weekend coming up, 
<clears throat> in the warm up after qualifying on Saturday was you know it was the first opportunity they will get to do some you know hot hot stops as they call it. But I've asked the team even just to practice statics because at the end of the day, so much of IndyCar racing is won and lost in the pit lane as well as what it is potentially on track. Uh, the thing that I think really sucks for everyone at Meyer Shank Racing and especially the guys on pit stops is I would say 80% of our stops are very good. Uh, I just always, it feels like at the minute when we have a bad one, uh, it comes at a, a pretty critical time, which I know there's no good time to have a bad stop, uh, but there's certainly a worse time to have a bad one. And um, sadly, that's when they have come for us this year. Uh, that being said, the guys are doing that, you know, on the whole, a really good job. And that's all I want. I said to them after the weekend is, look, do, do yourselves a favor, you know, just show everybody that you can do great stops because you can do great stops. And that's where it goes back to what I said earlier. No one's, I'm not asking for them to do, you know, the fastest pit stop of the day. I'm just asking them to perform to the level that I see them perform at most of the time um you know so to go back to the question how do you improve them well you have to do more reps you know it's a pretty simple thing you know you can't practice at something and get better if you're not actually doing enough of them uh you have to move on from what's happened you know i have at this point and i said to the team you've got to as well you know because living in the past will kill you uh you know we're here to progress and improve and we look backwards to learn how to move forwards. And that's all I've asked them for, you know, is let's understand how we couldn't be better and then let's execute and do that. Uh, you know, dwelling on the past is certainly not going to help anybody. And like I said to them, I, have I lost any confidence in them? No, I haven't because I see the effort that goes in. And if you took out three of our bad stops this year, we've had some significantly different results and no team and or driver is immune from bad pit stops, bad yellow flags at the right time or wrong time or anything like that. All you can do is try and react very well and make improvements the next time. And certainly I, even without seeing the team in between road America and mid Ohio, I know for a sure, just because I know them as people that they will be putting in as much effort as they possibly can to improve in that department. Um, and that's why I haven't lost any confidence in them is because I, I know them and I trust them in that, specifically that department because their, their enthusiasm, their effort level and their desire to win for sure matches mine. You know, and this is what I try to explain to a few people, you know, across the last two weeks is no one on the team wants to see us turn a bad quali a good qualifying into a bad race. Like not one member of that team wants to do that. Uh, you know, we're all there with the same goal. That's why this team has been successful. It's why we've grown and it's why every year we make improvements because our goals and our objectives are very much aligned and um, we just got to keep working at it. But dwelling, dwelling on how everything has gone is not the way to do it. We will come full circle here with our last question from on Twitter who asks, uh, or nope, uh, someone else. Uh, it was Emma JJ here on Twitter uh, asks, "What's your prediction for the score at Saturday's UEFA game?" Two 0 England, sure. Two 0 All right, there you have it, folks. England. Also, tidbit, tidbit for you before we go. They have not.
What was that there? I think we're losing you a little bit, Jack. Right. Uh, we are back again, of course, uh, internet issues, the theme of the day. Uh, but I think you guys heard there, uh, Jack give his prediction two nil there for, uh, England's match Sunday in the quarterfinals, um, of the UEFA championship. Uh, I think we cut off there real quick, Jack, you were filling us in on a, a little nifty stat there. I think if I heard you right. Oh, for sure. This is one worth sharing, so I'm happy to repeat it. England have not yet conceded a goal this tournament, which I think, if I'm, you know, if I understand soccer well, pretty much means they're going to win the Euros. So, uh, yeah, I think they're going to. I think Ukraine are a good team, and man, what's dangerous about you know knockout football is it's not played on paper, you know, and you might have the best team on paper, but you've got to deliver, you know, come Saturday. But uh, I believe in my three lions. Uh, and they're going to get it done and hopefully we'll get it done on track Saturday and Sunday. And uh, if we do that, I may just have a beverage or two and a pizza come Sunday night. There we go. Make sure uh, Mike's, Mike brings some of those extra cases of uh, Bush Light with him. To the- uh, he, can, he can keep them, mate. I'm, <laughs> I'm not keen on Bush I don't blame you there. I don't blame you there. But maybe he can at least uh, celebrate there with you. All right. Well, uh, with I can tell you that if, if we win, if we win at the home race, we'll probably have a good party on Sunday. That is true, and uh, it, what a, a what a better place to do it um, for Mike and the team certainly. Well, we will tune in on Sunday race. Uh, I believe goes green just after noon on Sunday. Races on NBC. Oh, that's early. We've got uh, practice. On Friday and Saturday, along with qualifying, all of that, of course, as always, will be on Peacock, and you can tune in Sunday just afternoon to watch Jack, uh, the number 60 Meyer Shank Racing Honda team, and the rest of the 25-car field compete in uh, the last race for uh, more than a month or so until we get back with the uh, Music City Grand Prix in August in Nashville. So, for that, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Thanks, of, co- of course, again, uh, Jack, for filling us, all us uh, novices on the European soccer front a little bit uh, today. You're, wel- you're welcome. <laughs> uh, and uh, we will catch you guys next week on IndyCar Weekly. 